you know, like when you do those timeshares, like you have to put pressure act on to now. act right now. Guys, I, I, you, you really need to act now because, you know, this is a one-time deal and I'd hate Man, for you to I miss you out. I brought up timeshares because, you know, that's kind of the evil twin of this idea. Oh, yeah, bad timing. <laughs> thought with Kieran and Vijay. I am today's host Kieran because I had today's one weird thought and wrote the article. And with me, I've got Vijay. Vijay, how's it going? Great, Kieran. Uh, I guess, you know, I should say happy Mother's Day to you, Kieran. I, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, Maybe it'd be, I mean, it'd be sexist if I didn't say happy Mother's Day. You, wouldn't it? I don't know if we have to play with the definitions of Happy Mother's Day because in this case, Sakshi has one mother, one father. So um, uh-huh. I'm happy to just take congratulations during Father's Day, and then but but I will pass on your congratulations or to Nritya. Um, Is it really a congratulations succession uh, statement? I mean, I don't know. You've managed to you managed to keep her alive. Hey, but really, should that be an accomplishment for you guys? Good. I mean, with with the resources you have, I mean, we'd kind of expect you to do this. But we are taking needless risks um, pretty early on in Saksha's, Saksha's life uh, for yeah. almost no benefit to Saksha herself because she's not going to remember any of it. Because, uh, Vijay, as you know, I'm in Guatemala right now. And... you. Yeah, and, and Guatemala is, oh. is not entirely known for its safety, but I will report, I will report that every place I've been to has been extremely safe. Uh, it's just the capital you, city is a little bit rough. How, how, how do you decide that, Kevin? Because you didn't get shot there? I was, yeah. not, right, I was not robbed, and okay. I was not shot at, yes. Maybe you should take that as kind of insulting. Yeah, people don't think we have money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean you should be offended it. by this, you know? I mean, that's the thing. I feel like, and I'm going to immediately regret it, I bet, uh, because karma is karma. But, um, yeah, I feel like if you keep a low profile and you keep to the safe areas, most people are generally fine. Knock. Touch wood. All right. Um, All right. Well, you know, you're not the only one who uh, has had a change of scenery. I've moved my webcam up to the top of the monitor today. I was going to say. So, you know, I, I too am living on the edge. Uh, the new angle, the my settings. friend, is doing wonders for you, I have to say. I, I'm, I'm thinking this is promo material this year. Like, this makes me look more authoritative, you know, like like I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I have total control of the webcam. Um, and I've got this lady behind me here. You know, so uh, just keeping an eye on things. She is. Her pained expression yeah, I mean, communicates how, you know, our listeners potentially feel when we when we talk about, you know, the latest idiotic yes. ideas. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, talking of idiotic ideas, Corinne, I think uh, <laughs> what a great time to dive into today's topic. Such a great segue. Uh, thank you for there throwing you that to me. But, um, yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. I did think this idea was idiotic at the beginning, but as 
with many of the ideas we have on the show, um, I convinced myself that maybe we should we should have a go at this, Vijay. So here, let me let me lay it out in very simple terms. And if you've read the Substack article, some of this might be re- repetitive, but uh, I hope it'll add some much needed nuance. Basically, I think the whole d- uh, the whole division between owners, renters, and maintainers of our land, physical structures, assets, um, and institutions, I think that needless division is uh, unhealthy. And it's unhealthy for the simple reason that the incentives don't line up, right? The incentive for an owner is to only improve a property if it's going to improve their free cash flow, if it'll actually uh, appreciate the asset. The incentive for a renter, on the other hand, is they just want to, you know, they're keeping costs low and they they don't really want to improve the property because all the benefit accrues to the, the owner in the long term. And then finally, we have a class of maintainers, people who actually know how to fix stuff. Now, in in the past, many people knew how to do their own plumbing, heating, electrical work, uh, primarily because all that stuff was simpler and it was with, um, and you only needed tools that were pretty easy to source. Today, however, main, the maintainer class is kind of separate, right? There are plumbers, electricians, um, people who can do roofing, and they typically need certification, some sort of training, um, and then only they do this work. However, because they have the expertise and owners and renters typically don't have that expertise, there's a lot of shoddy workmanship. Um, there's a lot of half-finished jobs. There are, um, there are issues here. So in the end, maintainers, even if they're very well qualified and they, they mean well, sometimes they're, they just have to cut corners because it doesn't make economic sense for them to you know do a great job it takes a really it takes truly a craftsperson to um to do the job effectively so yeah so that's kind of the the owner renter maintainer trifecta that i want to that i wanted to describe and the idea itself is that every action done to improve an asset piece of land property whatever actually entitles the person who did the the piece of work to a fractional share of that property. And and I think like owners who own like 100% of the property today will be incentivized to start giving a, a, away fractional shares because you know the people who do the work should get paid. They they uh, are better incentivized. And even if at the end of the day you only own 80% of a property, but it's actually worth 150% more because you know, the people, the renters have been installing um, better appliances or the the people who are fixing the plumbing actually do a bang up job and it's fixed for good. You know, that all that all matters. Right. And it leads to less wastage and, and just better quality of life for everyone. So, yeah, that's the idea. Okay. Of today. How, how idiotic is that? I, I did my best. Well, let's let's kind of explore the world of renting for a while, right? So, uh, you know, Kieran, as you know, uh, I was a landlord in the past. Yeah, you were. I've been a rent, been a renter in the past, right? And so there's a lot of nuance, right? Like 
there's a big difference between renting out a a kind of middle class single family home versus renting out you know a lower end apartment right um like the the problems are different yeah and i, you know, I think this um, idea could benefit a lot from stress testing based on your experience because yeah you've yeah. actually seen so, how bad it can get as an yes as an owner. yes so let, let, let's talk about my my relatively recent exit from landlordship right so um so i used to uh own uh, a fourplex with it with a friend we owned it for years and it was you know relatively smooth sailing it was definitely kind of on the lower end of the spectrum right um and so had a lot of problems associated with being a lower end property right like people who were renting that place were struggling to get by Right. So there were often delays of rent. You know, there are people who just couldn't pay anymore. Um, but in the big scheme of things, it was great. Like, you know, we had a solid 13, almost 14 years, uh, out of that one. So it was great. Um, but what finally pushed me over the edge and what, what pushed us to get rid of it was we had a mold problem. And, uh, the way we learned about our mold pro- uh, problem was, uh, one of our tenants decided to stop paying rent. And when our property manager went to go ask for the rent, he was abused and, and told, why would I pay for a place that's full of mold? Now, the cause of the mold was a leak from underneath the sink, a readily apparently leak, which we were never notified about. And so, therefore, <laughs> this person who, by the way, was in the construction trade himself, <laughs> Oh, I could I understand, know you know, the, I knew the rest of the yeah, story. So, yeah. So, you know, probably well equipped to understand that water, carpet, wood is a bad combination, Terrible. right? And would inevitably lead to mold, right? And so this person didn't have any incentive to fix it, right? And in fact, not only did they, they were, uh, had, had a uh, incentive not to fix it because it turned out we were their golden ticket. Uh, they were looking to reload and, um, we funded that reload for them. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, in order to, we ended up having to settle with them for a non-trivial amount of money. Uh, we spent a lot of money remediating the mold, you know, through like with official folks and getting it all certified that it was mold free and then having to refurb the apartment because in order to get rid of the mold, you got to tear everything out. Right. So, um, and then just to, yeah, then just to kind of add on top of it, it was like, we've got to pay this guy who hasn't been paying us any rent to leave. Wow. You know, and so, um, so maybe, right. If, if we look at your, um, idea, if this person felt like they had a stake in the property, yeah. right. Maybe they would have, maybe they would have, um, jumped in. And um, helped out. Think right? about and, it. And kind in of, this case, you are taking all the liability for anything yeah. that happens on that property. And yeah, yeah, it, like you're totally right. We've the current system incentivized this dude to, to basically put mold in his own apartment and live yeah, there. Yeah, like, yeah, that's pretty messed up. Oh, it was yeah. Um, so. 
Um, so, so yeah, had he, now the funny thing was like early on in his tenancy, he was very proactive and, and this was something else I wanted to, sh- to touch on was that, like, you have tenants who, um, want to make a long-term commitment to a place and rent over the long term. Yeah. And those folks will actually do improvements, right? You know, generally speaking, they say, Hey, you know, I'd like to do blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, oftentimes they either A, they'll just do it or B, like you'll do something like, hey, I'll pay for material if you do the install, right? And so... Oh, that's cool. Right, you, even, yeah, so, and, and that's not unusual, right? Um, um, in, in fact, uh, there's a guy, there's a family who lives on, on our street where I live uh, who's renting and he's putting a new shed in, right? He's planning on sticking around for a few years. Right. And I could see that, you know, like if you felt like you had a sense of stability, yeah. maybe that would change things. Right. Cause right now it's, it can feel pretty precarious all around. Right. Like I think as a, as a tenant, you know, perhaps you worry about, you know, whether at the end of your lease, your landlord is going to, you know, not renew. Right. Or, you know, as a landlord, like you're wondering if, you know, any day now this person's going to leave and, you know, I'm now going to be stuck, like finding a replacement yeah, find a and replacement. Yeah. refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So with this ownership, like maybe there's, it brings a whole bunch of stability, right. To, uh, to, to this ownership experience. Right. And people tend to stick around and want to be long-term tenants more, right. Because they feel like they, they, and they feel like it's there. Yeah, it's going towards something. And like, look, mm. if the owner has taken some set of liability, right? You you pay the down payment and then you're paying monthly payments to the bank. So the bank mm. really mm. owns the property, right? At the at the very beginning, usually for most property mm. in the United States. Mm. Then uh, because the owner has taken that liability, the renter is basically just paying into this scheme. Um, and then mm-hmm. that money is not going anywhere, but usually the, the owner will funnel it into making mortgage payments. And to me, mm-hmm. that's like mm-hmm. effectively you are lending that money to the renter, right? You're basically giving them a, a loan, but you're not allowing them to pay off the principal. So that, that rent amount stays mm-hmm. consistent for, you know, and like we could go effective market hypothesis or whatever on this and say, hey, if you start pricing in ownership stake, like percentage of ownership, maybe just the rents go up proportionally and that that um, it's all going to be a wash. Yeah. But I think giving the option for renters to actually own the property that they're staying in, like uh, yeah. that's a fundamentally well, different equation between an owner and a renter. And like just one last point about, I think, if the renter actually owns a percentage of the house, they're incentivized to find someone new when they leave, because in theory, there's like some sort of rev share or like dividends that get paid out. Again, it's mm-hmm. far more, it's far more complicated contracts, but you know, man, all mm-hmm. this stuff was, was created when we didn't have computers, like all this property law, all of the, contracts mm. law that that are underpinning a lot of the way we think about property and it's like mm. some of this is not pro- not problematic if you like if you negotiate 
uh, terms and then you enforce it through computers, right? Like we, these are solvable things. Mm -hmm. um, and it seems to me that it might actually make things, uh, all the incentives line up better. So a couple of uh, comments, right? One is uh, in New York, you kind of do something similar, right, with uh, subleasing, mm. right? So you have this person, right, who's got this rent-controlled apartment. Yeah. And the one thing they never want to do is give it up, right? And so maybe they sublease it to somebody, right? And then they kind of take the delta between what they're paying and what the market rate is. Right, so effectively, they feel like owners too, and in fact, actually, for them, it's fantastic because they still don't have to fix the place up. Right, so, and that's messed um, up, right? Like, if they don't fix yeah, it, yeah, up. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say that's even worse. So, if it's rent controlled. You're not, you're not in charge of fixing it up. You are just paying a certain amount. You're basically just getting money at that point, right? Like the government yeah. is giving you five hundred dollars or whatever per month. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know if. I don't know if if it's rent controlled. Like if basically if it's subleased, it just seems weird that the that the owner of the building wouldn't get an uptick, some sort of cut of the I, I don't know. I don't know how it works. But um so so that was one comment I had. Um the other comment I had was there are a lot of places in the world where people effectively rent forever, right? Like Germany, like renting's far more common than in the US. I think the US is relatively strange in terms of percentage of home, uh, like percentage of folks oh, who are homeowners. Really? Okay. This, this is, yeah, we're relatively high. That's kind of news to me because in India, it's very high as well. I think a lot of owners and renting is like, you basically save until you can buy land, right? In India. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, but yeah, I would bet yeah. like the amount of rent renters is is going up based on like urbanization yeah. and people losing land. I, here, I bet you are wrong. Really? Yes. And I feel like we should pause for a quick Google situation to find Wait, out. So, so you think right. in you, India you, the number of renters is more than the number of owners? Yeah, I think so. And I, I think you, you have a very skewed sense of the world because, um, you know, you look at the people around you and go, well, they all are. Here's my question so, in India. I, we should count. I think if your family owns a home, maybe you don't live there. Yeah, sure. I feel like you should still count that as, like, you're an owner. Uh, I, fair enough. Even if you just live there, like, um, and you don't pay rent, but it's your, yeah, I don't know, it's your dad's house or it's your family house. Yeah. Um, do we report back next week on our findings or do we take a moment and do two seconds of research? Yeah, on we're this? researching. Right. You, you Google, okay. I'm Googling. Let's oh, you? Up. Let the Googling begin. You were right. I was right. wrong. I, I want to acknowledge that and congratulate myself on not actually having a bet with any terms. <laughs> Um, so I feel like I've lost nothing except for pride in front of our entire audience. That's true. Uh, hey, so, you know, for what it's worth, I was a bit worried that I had that completely backwards. 
you you calling me out on it really I'm, I'm really helps s- steel man this wow you know what we've we've one of us has learned something today <laughs> Karen. um so <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I, I had another question for you though. Um, and that was, I don't understand. I right? suppose, suppose I have a building that was built a hundred years ago yeah. and this law has been in place for a hundred years. For a hundred years, this building has changed occupancy multiple times. So many times. Yeah. Right. And so now the total percentage of ownership is only going to ever be a hundred percent. Correct. How do I? not run out of shares to give in the building. And maybe this is just complete. First of all, I'd like to call in details. This is all details that get worked out, VJ. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just have the PM exactly. figure out. I'll be fine. But um, you know, I, this is going to come from like our tech VC background, whatever. But this is a solved yeah. problem in investing in startups, right? Every every round is a new dilution event, right? People who start yes, off yes. investing whatever two million for twenty percent of a company, they only mm-hmm. end up with like three percent of the shares towards the end, right? After they go to a through a series mm-hmm. A, B, C, D, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, will the shares that you put in as a renter, if you rented for five years at the beginning of this hundred year building? Sure, you might only have like a fraction of a percentage in shares left, but you know it's there. Um, the, the value per share is perhaps higher. What's that? The value per share is is perhaps higher, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like, the you know, in, per when you, when you... Be up, because in theory, you know, that's how development works. The things that are doing mm-hmm. well, people mm-hmm. start adding on to it. Maybe you build in like. Mm-hmm. Uh, mixed use buildings. So now you're getting like annuities, mm. you're getting rent from the office spaces and you're, you have the residential properties, mm. the, the whole thing, man. And like, it also helps future funding rounds. Like, let's say the owner, like, let's say the, the board of the building, which is, you know, at some point it's 10 people because 10 different people have like contributed to this property over the years. You know, they want to go mm. big. They have a vision. They can pull from mm-hmm. the nine other people who are kind of like invested in this property and say, hey, can you actually contribute to this round? Because I want to remodel the whole place and then add this additional unit mm-hmm. that will bring in some rent. And then I will start a dividend at X. So you're literally running this like a mini company. Actually, you could see businesses dying where they're buying up shares from individuals. Yeah. Right. And they're just consolidating. They're like, Hey, you know, we control $500 billion worth of shares and properties around the world. Exactly. Instead of like the only way you get, there are these things called rights today, right? Which are REI. Yeah. 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 Real estate investment trust, Ah, something like that. And, but all they're doing is they, at least for what I saw is they bought stocks in various property management companies. And those mm-hmm. companies have land holdings, like the true land holding, but these REITs don't mm-hmm. have direct access. You know what I mean? But in mm-hmm. the future, you could see an investment um, model where, like you said, there's a ETF that all they do is they go and buy in fractional shares. Mm-hmm. Now, they're contributing capital and there will be liquidation events because 
you know, uh, sorry, there'll be dilution events because like other people will come fix things. You know, the actual people who work on houses, buildings, parks, mm. whatever, I they, they they should get a fractional share. Um, and okay, so he. Here's my question. Will they ever get enough of a share to change their actions? Right. So for example, if I have a plumber go out to unclog a toilet, yeah. right now, is he going to do the best unclogging he can? Or is he actually perversely incentivized because if he partially unblocks yeah. it, right, and then says, you know, I get to come back and I get another share, I'm actually better off coming back but twice. That's where the contracts are going to start evolving, right? And instead of having a one-time-use plumber, which is the model we have now, you pay someone $100, $200, <laughs> they come out, they do like <laughs> an analysis, then they come back and charge you $3,000, right? That's our current model. <laughs> In the future, hopefully, <laughs> like, a plumber will sign up to... 30 properties all for fractional shares and like, you know, a decent uh, monetary salary, like between all these houses, because uh, in theory, this dude's building yeah. ownership, right? And it's a valuable yeah, model yeah. for building an asset as well as getting a salary. Whereas today, you know, we, a plumber will have to service 2000 homes and never knows when a day is going to be really rough or it's going to be regular if it's going to be uh. normal. So they're. Oh, so how about this, Karen? Like each month, everybody gets a statement, right? And the way their statement is like an income yeah. statement. And the more efficient the property is, the more everybody benefits. So, right, if there's less repairs, everybody's a winner, which means that the tenants are trying to keep things from breaking in the yeah. first place. And the uh, maintenance folks are trying to stop stuff from breaking again. And they, the maintenance folks want things to be efficient as well because the um, electricity, heating, that all is affecting mm. your bottom line as an owner. It's all yeah, affecting it's the bottom line, yeah. For, yeah. for the asset that you own. So, mm. so how, how are management decisions made now for this property? Like, do <laughs> you have like... <laughs> I'm deep diving now, man. We're getting to the bottom. We're getting into this thing. So, um, like, could you, you could almost do like a quarterly yeah. meeting, right? And you go, okay, right. It's like, here's how the last quarter looked, right? And, you know, we have a motion to replace the windows because they're old and inefficient, right? If we replace them now, it's going to cost us a lot of money, but we'll be more energy efficient. You know, and therefore, uh, who like does everybody get to vote? Like, or does the owner have sole control? Right now, and I, I haven't thought about this too much, to be fair, because I just I like the idea of it, but like I said, it's all details. I can't think mm. of anything past the current, you know, company model of things. Where, look, you and mm. I are both shareholders at Amazon. And Microsoft. I don't know if you, do mm -hmm. you still have some old Microsoft mm -hmm. shares lying around. Maybe. I think I have some. Yeah, yeah. You don't know yeah. what the fuck they're doing in board meetings. 
then, sure, these are huge assets. These are trillion dollar assets, Vijay, that we have a piece of. Yeah. But yeah. I think we could we would do the same thing for assets that are worth a couple hundred thousand dollars. It's going to have a board. The board might be one person. And if mm -hmm. there's enough fractional ownership that there's like two or three major owners, sure, everyone gets a seat at the table. How? What I would think this plays out as is, you know, there'd be maybe like one coalition of, you know, maintainers who own like 20% of a lot of property. And, you know, Mm -hmm. They can make your life pretty difficult if you completely fuck them over on some sort of deal, right? Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. So what ends up happening is um, their their vote will kind of sway decisions the, the correct way. Mm -hmm. the, the owner who maybe has put in a lot of the capital investment up front, but maybe doesn't live on the, on the property, um, mm -hmm. maybe they they're probably taking a lot of the major decisions until they get so diluted because they've rented the place for 40 years. In which case, like if they mm -hmm. haven't been doing much other than the initial capital investment 40 years ago, maybe like it's probably mm -hmm. the right thing for them to lose board control and then cede board to the, the renters. And in a building like yours where you had like four units, right? The yeah. renters are probably, you know, accruing, uh, accruing shares at, um, a decent clip you you know as the owner you would get to put in i, I would think you set the terms right at the very beginning you own a hundred percent of the shares so you get yeah, yeah prime you're the mover. prime mover. Yeah. so then you set the terms mm -hmm. and then maybe in your 10 15 years you recoup the investment and then you're okay like not it's it's honestly good for you because now you don't have liability on this place um you don't have to be in charge of fixing everything you don't have to be in charge of you know, kicking people out or bringing new tenants in. It's now like mm. a true collective, like a tenants association has majority shares over you. Um, so I, I think like, if you look at why people get into these kinds of investments, right, they get into them for two reasons, right? One is they're looking for income and the other is they're looking for growth. And generally speaking, when they get in, for income, they're generally disappointed. There isn't no. any, right? Really, there's only there's only growth, right? And so, right. So, um, if there's only growth, is this growth stunted now in this new world? No, but I, I feel like you cannot apply the old model to the new thing, which means if you look at growth before um it's no longer it's no longer the case that if you share fractional ownership that the income is not good enough for you um, i think that used to be the case because as an as a landlord as an asset owner you're in charge of like all the small fixes all the small maintenance random um, uh, support calls finding a tenant removing tenants, all that adds to the expenses. Whereas what we're proposing now is, hey, renters have more ownership. And as they're renting, they um, are incentivized to improve the property, incentivized to get new people, 
uh, leave if things are not going well, but then leave gracefully because they preserve their ownership stake. Um, things like things of that nature. So I don't think it'll still be the case that you do not make income out of this. Um, and I actually think it's probably more likely. Um, it's probably more likely that you make income can, and not growth. Uh, it, people should start viewing it as a pure income play, um, similar to buying an annuity, annuity, right? Like at an insurance plan. Um, mm. It's clean. It's cleaner that way, right? It, th this is again playing into the initial point, which is. Today, owners are not incentivized to improve properties because you're basically killing all your cash flow for that month or two months or like you're just eating into savings every time you have to try and fix things. Uh, and you can only it only makes sense after like year five or seven when you have some buffer built up on the property, like right if you're a good property manager. I, I think the one of the premises we've got to explore a bit more, and that is the idea that the renters can impact the overall um, expenses associated uh, associated with the property. Yeah, yeah. Right, I don't so, have much data behind that. Right, so, <laughs> but 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 we can explore it a bit, right? So one right one area where I think there's merit to your argument is turnover is really expensive, yeah. right? Like you know you have a perfectly reasonable tenant who's been in a place three four years. Right when they leave, it's going to need a new look of paint, right? And so, it, it, so, so the less turnover there is, right, the more money you save, and also the place, by the way, isn't sitting empty for a period yeah. of time either, right? So, um, so if people are less incentivized to leave, right, there's there's a real cost savings there, but other things like roof leaking. Right, um, windows needing replacement. Right, those things, uh, water heater, furnace. Right, those things all. There's no real. There's nothing really that the tenant can do to make those to slow down the deterioration of those items. No, but um, yeah, those things are going to happen. That's true, and I mm. think as the tenant improves their ownership stake. Like, let's say in year 10 of being your tenant, they have like a 10% ownership of this property, right? I, I don't know what the terms yeah. look like. Maybe that's too generous. Maybe that's not generous <laughs> enough. But like, let's say it's 10% and you need to replace the roof, right? It should yeah. be 100% on like the person at the beginning who supplied the capital. Like at this point, you now have someone who is also going to contribute to this roof issue. Oh, so you want them to contribute? But see, they are indirectly contributing to the repair today through by paying rent, right? I mean, that's that same pile of money, right, is going to be used uh, to pay for the roof. Right. And yeah. in fact, in fact, it, it could look very, very annoying, right? Like, you know, one of the things that drives me insane is when you get this, when you get a bill which is like overly itemized, right? You feel like you're being like nickeled and dimed yeah. to death. Right, like here's the fee for this, here's the fee for that, right? And you just you feel like you're lost, right? And so you'd much rather have just a, a single price that you're paying. And as a renter, right, you would 
find comfort in the fact that the amount is going to be the same amount every month. Yeah, you, you're basically paying a premium every month so you don't have to worry about all these small things. But I think the main thesis is when you don't worry about all these small things every month, right? You are shifting yeah. the risk. You're shifting all the negative consequences to something else. And that's something yeah. else. Like the owner is trying to shift the consequences onto the renter. The renter is trying to shift it onto like maintenance yeah. people. The maintenance people are shifting it back onto the owner. And like, you know, the, yeah. someone comes for that <laughs> rent or that that risk mitigation. It, it goes somewhere. And uh, the, yeah. There's a parallel uh, in car ownership. So there's a handful of companies, Volvo, is the one that comes to mind. I say a handful, the only one I can think of is Volvo, okay. actually. Right, where um, um, where you can get, right, to, traditionally, right, you're either buying it or leasing it, right, when you buy a vehicle, yeah. right? And they offer a subscription model, right? And then the idea is that you just pay them this sum of money and it covers your insurance, maintenance, as well as, you know, the depreciation of the vehicle, right? Right. During the period that you, you know, yeah. own it. Right. And so, um, as best as I can tell, it's been a complete dud, right? Because Check the that. bet that Volvo was making, yeah, right. The bet that Volvo was making was, you know, Hey, you'll give the net net is you'll give them a little bit more money. Right then, because you're paying for the convenience, right? And never having to worry about any of this stuff. Yeah. Right. And so, um, and I think kind of supporting your point is people would rather actually have the ability to kind of control their expenses a bit more. Right. So, you know, okay, I'd rather take it to Jiffy Lube rather than the dealership for an oil change. Right. Um, I'd rather shop around for insurance because I might get a better deal. Yeah, that's exactly the point. Right? Like, um, this Volvo business seems like in the uncanny valley like it's in it's neither here nor there because it's like somewhat convenient but also somewhat inconvenient mm. like it's not going all the way into like just taking ubers everywhere or like public transport or gig share like ride shares mm. plus public transport where you don't even have to own the, you don't have to store the car anywhere if something breaks down you just leave it on the side of the road someone else deals with it and then you go yeah. like right like that is ultimate convenience for you know, the new. Mm. Okay. Now things got interesting. Ready? So here's, here's a thought for you now, right? Um, one of the challenges of the subscription model is you still have the pain of putting this vehicle somewhere and keeping it somewhere yeah. when you don't need it. Right. Um, you still got to wash it. Right. Uh, right. Uh, and you still got to fuel it. Right. So right, this, this is, this is friction in your ownership. Right. So now if we did, we took this property model, right? And you did a full service, a truly full service apartment, right? Where it wasn't just furnished, but it was cleaned for you. And then you paid a lump sum. It's almost, it's going, it's going 180 degrees, I think, from the model that you're talking about. Is that true? It is, but I think you're, I think the correct insight is that that's how the world might evolve if we basically do this. It's either going to be you own part of the property. And so you're like, you're doing everything yeah. to help blah, blah, blah. 
or you own zero ah. because the owner is literally full servicing this apartment, cleaning, maintaining, cares deeply to maintain yeah. their 100% ownership because they think that they're going to make a lot of money that way. And so now you're going to have these two huge models. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, like the furniture should not be yours. We kind of have. If you're not going to. We can't. We kind of have that with Airbnb, right? Exactly. And dude, I love it. I'm freaking, I get to move yeah. wherever I want. The places are generally pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Granted, Airbnb has like, you know, the quality of places has definitely uh, taken a, it, it's, it's more higher variance now, which like, it's no longer like homestay adventures. It's more like people are managing properties for pe- for others. And, you know, it comes with its own pros and cons now. But all in all, like, the flexibility is unparalleled. If you don't have a lot of stuff, yeah. we, you know, we went to a lake over the weekend. We, um, mm. we can move across Central America and South America pretty easily, just purely through Airbnbs. This is unheard of. And mm-hmm. as a remote worker, if you, why would you spend so much time? If, if the property gives you no no Mm. inherent benefit why would you rent in a place uh and then like accumulate all the stuff around you when you can be fully managed from place to place Mm. have you heard of uh naval ravikant so so he's kind of like living your thing i think yeah he doesn't he doesn't know anything what is he he doesn't own anything. Yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, he's a billionaire who owns nothing. His his point was like, the more stuff you own, the more decisions you have to make. Since and when? I thought he was. Talking if you're not about enjoying making those like decisions, a few years ago, like, did he just recently up and sell all of his stuff? Yeah, as best as I can tell, he owns nothing now. Wow. Um, the one thing. No, I is, I'm not even sure like how his vehicle ownership works because the one one of the things that he invests in, right, that he values, is he has a driver who drives him around oh, everywhere. Yeah, and the re- reason why he does that is because he's like, okay, while that person's driving, I can be doing something that's more important to me. So today, if you own a driver, or sorry, I don't mean own a driver. Yeah. Oh, that could take us back a couple of podcasts. Let's say you employ a driver for your car. Can you make that dude drive Uber and like do a profit share with him while he's not driving you around? I, I, well, you know, in, in India, right, uh, the Uber, the Ubers are all owned by like the people driving those things aren't, aren't necessarily the owners of the vehicles. In fact, it's pretty unlikely yeah, they're not. I, I don't think, yeah, exactly. That makes sense. It's mostly taxis. Like when you Uber yeah. something there, it's like a, usually a taxi. Yeah. 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 So, so if you had, yeah, if you had a driver, like, right. And like within the hours that they work, assuming they're not an indentured servant, right. Um, right they could, um, uh, for our new listeners, that was a, uh, a reference inside joke for all of our regular listeners to, uh, a podcast we did a while back about indentured servitude. So look it up. We get dark on the um, podcast and new listeners. I, yeah, we do. This one has been relatively sensible. Karen, right. I so say. You're actually kind of sold on the idea. Like, do you think we should try this out? No. <laughs> uh, so, uh, 
Actually, I don't know. Like sold already I, on a one weird thought idea. Yeah. I I I I'm. I think I'd need to see more modeling, right? So, I think what's really interesting is maybe today's landlords never yeah. do this because they have a way of thinking about the world, and this just turns it on it uh, on its head. But maybe maybe this idea is so powerful and so compelling, right, that it forces existing landlords to come adopt the model because nobody wants to be a tenant of legacy yeah, like landlords. Why, why would I pay rent when I can start, even with like fractional shares, I start owning mm. some property. I think that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. But so one of my, but one of my concerns is that very quickly, like this thing that looks like an incentive rapidly becomes meaningless, right? Like, um, I remember once, um, into I had like this kind of like two step bonus, right? And it never made sense to me. But um, one of those was based on the performance of the company, and it was expressed in terms of number of days of salary, right? And we did exceptionally crap one year, and it was like two or three days, something like that, right? Of payout, right? And so. That didn't do anything no, I to... Think that was just a poor implementation, Vijay. Wouldn't you say, like, shares of a company are just better? Not when you own one share and it's worth seven <laughs> bucks, right? And, and that's kind of what we're yeah. saying, right? Like, for my for my tenant, I'm not going to give him a 20% no, stake, no. right? I mean, I mean, do I give him an increase, increasing stake yeah. each year they stick around? Why? But for what? They, I mean, like it's again, it's it's set by the market, and as a tenant, you'd you'd probably have like a slider almost where you're like, okay, you can either pay five thousand dollars and get one percent stake a year, or you take a little more equity and um, pay a little less. Ah, uh, right. Interesting. And it's basically yeah. No, you pay more and you get you'd get more equity, and that is incentivizing you guys to create a relationship where um, you're not taking as much. You don't have to take as much financial risk up front in exchange for you know a lot of these like incentive problems um, get solved away. And look, we're just I'm literally applying the employee stock employee stock plan. Stop and, and yeah. a lot of yeah. we all know this like in big tech you get very mean like they're good dollar amounts but they're meaningless to the overall direction mm. of the company but damn it those those shares make you feel like you own some part of it right and i think that could be a powerful thing do until, you, until do, people get jaded do, do you feel like they make you do a bad job for the company i think it makes you root for the company to do well which is important you know as as a renter, you don't want to just screw over your landlord. You, you know, you, you want the whole thing to, you want the building to be nice. And that's a, that's a very big incentive change than it just being uh-huh. a pure salary. You want the building to, yeah, you're right. You do want the building yeah. to be nice. Right. Um, so can I, do I take it that how the next you, building you, you purchase, yeah. you, you might, you might consider implementing this new plan, Vijay? Yeah. Well, 
here's the challenge, right? So I have a partner who I am committed to, right? In 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 my real estate I'm not, endeavors, I'm not your partner. Uh, you you have a second partner. Uh, you, you could you could in this other endeavor. Um, but if you ever want to join us in, in the world of real estate, we're always there. <laughs> so the, the, where I was going was, and, and I think this this touches on a interesting dilemma, right? And that is, um, uh, he's very much a con- he's yeah. very conservative, right? And you know, um, groundbreaking is not his thing, right? So. Um, you would, you could do a really convincing Thanks. pitch deck, right? To say that he was not involved, that he would be better off, and he still wouldn't bite um, because it's not because it's not uh, normal. Well, we'll we'll have to work on him right? over the next few months or years. Yeah, convince him to yeah. consider doing yeah. this. Um, yeah, or Karen. We reach out to our many, many listeners. The one weird thought property. And we, I love it. Oh, this could be it. This could be it, Karen. This could be the start of a beautiful thing. Another podcast where we talk about our uh, weird thought, realist, you know, and this whole community becomes fabulously wealthy because they've joined us so in this you, endeavor. You all heard it here first. If you'd like to be involved, yeah. the real estate arm of One Weird Thought, please email us at one weird thought at gmail.com. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. And you know, this is your, this is your chance to come in at the ground floor folks. I don't know if it's ever going to be this Never. good again. I can guarantee I'm just saying. that it will not be this good again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, uh, when you do those, um, yeah. Time shares, like you have to put pressure act on to now. act right now, guys, I, I you, you really need to act now. Because you know this is a one-time deal, and I'd hate Man, for you to I wish miss you out. Brought up timeshares because you know that's kind of the evil twin of this idea. That... <laughs> oh yeah, bad timing. <laughs> All right. As usual, man. This is, this is a good right. time. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah, right. this is great. Well, thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. See you in the next one. Bye.